Welcome into another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. We are going to talk about Cole Reagan's debut in our first segment and follow that up with some talk about Brad Keller, who clearly has not been able to find it down in Omaha. And lastly, Drew Waters had one of the longest home runs at Kauffman Stadium on Sunday. Is he positioned for a breakout? I'll tell you about all that coming up next on Locked On Royals. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. are Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. And again, my name is Jack Johnson. And you can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. Before we get into some Cole Reagan's talk, let's give a shout out to today's title sponsor in eBay Motors. This episode of Locked On Royals is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit, ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I was at Kauffman Stadium on Saturday, and I had the chance on Saturday night to see the debut, the Royals debut of Cole Reagans. And if you watched our podcast episode on Saturday afternoon, it was actually right before I headed out to Kauffman Stadium. I discussed what was necessary, at least in my eyes, for Cole Reagan's first start in Kansas City. Now, here's the one thing I'm not going to do in today's show. I'm not going to say, well, good on the Royals because they clearly saw this and they've already fixed him and and he's going to be a stud, he's going to be a star. No, because I'm not going to go back on what I said on Saturday afternoon, which was good or bad that does not mean the Royals pitching development fixed him. What it did show me on Saturday, though, is I think the Royals are looking for guys now through a different lens, right? So Cole Reagans goes out in the first inning. I'm sitting right behind home plate. I have never sat closer in my life at Kauffman Stadium. And the first pitch he throws is at 98 miles an hour. I had the double take. Is the gun hot? It wouldn't make much sense. Usually the gun's hot in Surprise, Arizona in spring training, but not in Kansas City, even though it was 95 degrees out. And then to strike out Jose Siri for his first out of the inning, he touches 99, and baseball savant had it at 99.8, almost triple digits. Cole Reagans this year in Texas throwing out of the bullpen, limited role too, right? He can go in there and just let it eat, right? He can just air it out. He was sitting 92, 93, 94. In Omaha, he had two, I guess, short stint starts to lengthen him out to come up to Kansas City and start in the rotation. He's still only sitting about 92 to 94. Maybe it was the adrenaline. I'm sure that was a big factor in it. But I remember seeing some reports out there when the Royals did acquire Cole Reagans that he had touched 99 before, right? That when he really was letting it fly, it was about 99. He's had two Tommy John surgeries, which sometimes that makes guys have an increase in velocity. As crazy as that sounds, 
But that velocity never dipped. That was the incredible thing. His last pitch of the night was at 97 miles an hour. So I go back to the point of why this is encouraging. No, I'm not going to lose my mind over one start. But I don't recall the last Royals starter to be humming it in at, at 96, 97 with consistency. He had the five hardest pitches on Saturday night. Your starter. I get it with Carlos Hernandez. He goes in there. He's throwing you know, 99, 100, 101. That's one inning. Cole Reagans was continuing to throw 97, 98. And really, his worst inning was the first. And I thought it's when his stuff looked the best. The Rays had two walks, but he gets out of it with no damage. Only one run over five innings. That's an A+. I even said that on Saturday's show. He gets through five innings, three runs or less, it's an A+. Because I was expecting him to go in there throwing 92 to 93. Now I'm going, where in the hell did this come from? And this is why it's important. And this is important for a rebuild. When you're rebuilding your rotation. Right, the the older school guys will tell you. I think everybody loves velocity in baseball, right? And you go, no matter what, you work with velocity, right? If a guy throws hard, a pitching coach can work with that, and then you have something. That's like the basic. That that's the the bread and butter. You find a guy that throws hard. He's probably got bad command. Let a guy work with him. That still opens my eyes, right? I was pretty impressed when the Royals kind of reformed Jake Brents, couldn't throw a strike at the minor league level, had a really good 2021. Dylan Coleman last year, kind of the same thing, even though he struggled with walks still. Josh Stallmont, Trevor Rosenthal, guys that throw hard, and then you get them to become effective. Why I was so taken back by Cole Reagan's start is the Royals acquire him. Even myself goes, that feels a bit underwhelming for a role this Chapman. Roni Cabrera was actually the guy I was higher on. No, an 18-year-old Dominican Summer League guy. I was like, well, Cole Reagans is a guy maybe you fix, but nothing pops to me. Saturday night start popped to me because the fastball spin was elite. The velocity was great, but it's the fastball spin for me. Alec Marsh, too, on Saturday afternoon, who we discussed in that Saturday podcast, has the 94th percentile in fastball spin. That's good. That, that's a great number. Guys can throw hard, but if you have fastball spin, that makes it seem that much quicker, right? Guys that have great fastball spin at 92, 93, it feels like 96, 97. And J.J. Piccolo pointed that out when they traded for Cole Reagans. They like the spin rate. And he goes down to Omaha, and that spin rate's already on display. So the numbers, if you're just looking at, at fan graphs, if you're just looking at baseball savant, sometimes you'll go, well, this guy's ERA is terrible. He can't strike out anybody. His whip's high. You know, he's walking too many guys. The, the fielder independent pitching is not very good. All of those analytical numbers. Sometimes you have to do a little bit more research, dive a little bit deeper to understand why a player can be good. Now, Cole Reagans could go out his next time out in Kansas City. He had to be sent back down to Omaha because he was his 27th man. But not to worry, 27th men on, on double headers, they don't have to go down for 10 days. They could recall him at any time they want to. So it wouldn't shock me if he starts on Thursday against Detroit, depending on Zach Greinke's health, or he starts over the weekend in the Bronx against the Yankees. One of those two series feel like a pretty good uh, spot to throw him back out there in the rotation, because when you have Cole Riggins look like that against the team with the fourth highest OPS in baseball, I'd like to get him another start, right? I would like to see Cole Riggins back out there. But this is encouraging, and now the Royals are, 
are just now gurus about it or they're wildly intelligent or they can find talent where nobody else is really looking. That's not to say that. But what I love about J.J. Piccolo making that move is that he didn't go out there and say, well, he's a young arm and he's a former first rounder and we feel like we can fix him. No, I want you to identify why you like him. I don't want to hear that he's a great clubhouse guy. I don't want to hear that, well, he was used incorrectly. We feel like we can use him in the rotation here. That's like Luke Weaver stuff last year. The Royals traded Emmanuel Rivera for him and go, he's a part of the rotation next year. We feel like he can pitch well enough there. There was no analytical drive there. I think with Cole Reagans, J.J. Piccolo is sitting there in the clubhouse. He's sitting there in the dugout talking to the media and saying, we like this kid's spin rate. With Rony Cabrera, he said, we like this guy's walk rate. We like his approach, his plate discipline. Those are things, as crazy as it sounds, the Royals never mentioned when acquiring guys. I just never really uh, popped to them. For J.J. Piccolo, I think it did with Cole Reagans. Now, let's see what he looks like down the road here. I'm not going to overreact. But the pure stuff I saw for 30 innings of a Roldis Chapman was incredible. The pure stuff we all saw with a Roldis Chapman was incredible in 30 innings. And I thought, well, they're going to get a pretty big return. But at the end of the day, he was 35 right? And he threw less than 30 innings and he's coming off a bad year. Nobody's going to empty their farm system for a role this Chapman. But the Royals kind of looked maybe where other teams wouldn't, right? If we're going to trade our highest trade ship, maybe we are going to make a Tampa Bay Rays type of move and go after a guy that really liked the spin rate, think the velocity can increase, like the changeup, like the curve, and you work with that. Some, some GMs are just going to go, Give me the, the 25th ranked prospect in your system, and that's going to look good on paper, right? You trade a guy, you get two top 30s, makes sense. But I think with this deal, now I've got more upside to it. If Cole Reagans was in there and even he went five innings, one run, but he was slinging in 92, 93, I know he only had three strikeouts, but if there wasn't really any pure stuff, I'm going, well, that can't stick. Now I'm going, if Cole Reagans looks like this the rest of the year, he does have a spot in the rotation next year. There is no debate about it. As long as he stays healthy, one of those top spots is his. Because of the pure stuff. Right? It's the same thing with Brady Singer last year. We got to about July and August with Brady Singer, and we said, stuff's good enough. He's the number one next year. Cole Reagans is going to be a number one next year. But now I think he enters that conversation of, is he a spot starter? Or is he a guy that goes, if he's pumping 99, and he's got a good change and a good curve, and that cutter is abandoned. I'm not really a huge fan of the cutter, but he's throwing like that. He is going to be a part of the rotation. And there were people on Twitter, you know, maybe getting on me for being too positive. I'm not really sure how you want me to go about positivity with the Royals in 2023. Like some fans out there will say, well, this team's terrible and I'm not going to be positive about it until I hear positive news. Then you say positive news and it's, well, no, don't get ahead of yourself. This team's still terrible. Not disputing that. The team's bad, right? But you still try to look for silver linings on where this team can improve. And I think for this entire weekend against Tampa, they lose the series, but that's the team with the best record in the American League. You've got three great starts from Alec Marsh, Cole Reagans, and Brady Singer. That's fine by me. That's a win in my book. Drew Waters looked good. We'll talk about him in the third segment. You know, Michael Garcia got hot in game three. Bobby Wood Jr. homered in back-to-back days. Nick Prado looked good with two strikes. Those are wins you got to take. And Cole Reagans was an absolute win for Kansas City on Saturday, despite getting the loss 4-2 to to the Tampa Bay Rays. 
but they did get the win on Sunday, a series finale. They will now welcome the Detroit Tigers for a four-game set. I'll be out there tomorrow covering it for media purposes, so you can follow me along on Twitter at JohnnyJ15 for all the updates you may want from the Kansas City Royals. When we come back, more of the negative news here, which I'm sure to some of you out there, you want to hear some more negative news. We're going to talk about Brad Keller, who is not broken. He's not lost. I don't even have the words to describe what's going on with Brad Keller in Omaha, but I'll tell you, we'll talk about it next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. Before we dive into the Brad Keller saga, give a shout out to one of our other sponsors in Sleeper. I made a fantasy projection on Cole Reagans. I believe I was right. I'd have to go back and look at it. But I'm going to look ahead to tonight's game against the Detroit Tigers. You have Jordan Lyles going up against Matt Manning. I am going to take Jordan Lyles to throw more than five innings in this game and record more than four and a half strikeouts. He's been pitching well of late, not great, well of late, much better than he has been. And Detroit's offense is not very good. They're bottom five and batting average on base percentage, OPS. And I also don't think that they have a great rotation. I think they're 28th in quality starts. So for my second pick here on fantasy, I am going to take Nick Prado to homer in this game. I could go with Bobby Witt Jr., who's got the hot bat, but I'm going to go with Nick Prado because I like his approach the last couple of games, and I think he's due for a home run. So give me Jordan Lyles with a decent start against a bad Detroit offense, and give me Nick Prado the homer off Matt Manning in this game. Now, with Sleeper, do you want to win 100 times your money on Daily Fantasy Baseball? Sleeper is now offering up to 100 times the payout for up to eight pick contests. Choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right and you could win big with Sleeper. There has been some rumblings down in Omaha about the struggles of Brad Keller and maybe what some of the causes could be. Now, Brad Keller struggled with command to begin the year. For the first time, really, in his career, he was really fighting his command on all of his pitches. His last start he made in Kansas City was against San Diego in Petco Park, and he walked eight guys. Then he goes on the injured list, and you think, okay, just get him right. Whether that's a phantom IL stint or he's truly injured, just give him a break, let him regroup, let him come back in a month, month and a half, and see where we're at and go from there. Then he comes off the injured list, and he's going to go down and make some rehab starts in Omaha. It's what every guy does. What every pitcher does. You go down, have two or three outings, get fixed. The numbers may not look great, but you're just getting your work in. You're getting built back up. You're getting comfortable. Then they send you back up to Kansas City, and lo and behold, you're back making starts in the rotation. I'm not sure anymore that Brad Keller will ever get back up to Kansas City. The numbers that he's posted in Omaha are jaw-dropping. And I don't think it's fixable at this point. I tried to go back and forth and say, well, maybe he's still trying out some new pitches. And Brad Keller, oh, bless his heart with this, he was one of the guys that really took the, the preaching, the coaching from Brian Sweeney. Zach Bob was working on a new pitch, and it looked good to begin the year. And then the wheels fell off, and he couldn't throw a strike. Then the injury came about, and now he's trying to work his way back. 
But he had an outing on Sunday that might have been his worst. Through a third of an inning, gave up six runs, walked three, struck out nobody. Had a wild pitch in there as well. So his ERA in Omaha right now is 21.00. That's not the big number that sticks out to me, as crazy as that sounds. Brad Keller has walked 17 guys in six innings. He has collected 18 outs. He has walked 17. He has struck out only four. He has two wild pitches. He has given up 14 earned runs. And he can't find any command. Even on Sunday, he had more strikes than balls. But every other outing, it's been an absolute disaster. We joke about Colin Snyder throwing 13 consecutive balls to open up his outing on Saturday afternoon. Like, that's bad. That's bad at any level. Peewee, junior high ball, high school, varsity, college, minor league level. You can't throw 13 balls to open up an outing. What Brad Keller is doing right now is just really mind-blowing. I can't put my finger on it. This is the guy that actually was a top two guy in this rotation. Even if you want to make you know jokes again about Kansas City being bad, it's a major league team. And this team wasn't that bad two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, when Brad Keller was a number one and number two. He had a great COVID year, shortened year. He was pretty good in 2019, was good in his rookie season. He was a rule five pick, really a success story. And then you get to this point, you're going, I don't know if he ever is going to fix it. I mean, I said before this segment, okay, he's not lost. He's not broken. I really don't know a word to describe what's going on in Omaha. Right now in Omaha, this is a guy that may never sniff a big league field again. If this continues, I don't know if it's physical. I don't know if it's mental. If you have 17 walks and, and six innings, I can't say there's any confidence anymore. And here's the other thing. The Royals have a lot of guys they need to give innings to. And Brad Keller, where maybe two years ago, we're talking about an extension. It's a nice, healthy three, four-year deal. He's a guy that we believe can give you 200 innings. He's a sinker ball guy. Maybe I'm being overzealous, but I thought after the first couple of years, he's got the build of a starter. Velocity's pretty good. Sinker looks good. See, slider looks good. Change isn't bad. And then things just torpedoed for him. And we used to say with Cal Eldred, that was Brad Keller and Cal Eldred's best success story, was what he became. Cal Eldred took over as a pitching coach when he was a rookie. He was a Rule 5 pick, and Brad Keller became the Royals' best starter. And you go into this year and you say, this is his last chance, right? There's too many arms the Royals have that they need to get innings for, and Brad Keller can't be taking it from them. And then the command just went haywire. And I always love to use this story when describing a guy who can't throw strikes, right? And right now, Brad Keller can't throw strikes. 17 walks and six innings. The story goes as is, and I think very traditional and homegrown Royals fans know the story I'm about to tell because it involves Ned Yost. It involves Greg Holland. It involves a early series way back in the early years of Greg Holland before he became you know, the Dirty South. This is before Greg Holland became a part of HDH. But the Royals are playing in Oakland. It's early on in the year. 
My guess is it was 2012. I want to say it was 2012 or 2011, one of those years. And Greg Holland just comes in, can't throw a strike. And it's a high leverage spot. And he's wiping sweat away from his forehead. He's nervous. You can tell he's nervous. Now, he's a guy that didn't struggle that much at the minor league level. And now he here is in Kansas City, high leverage spot, can't find the zone. And Ned Yost, the great Ned Yost, walks slowly out to the mound. And you think, you no, know, he's going to get pulled, right? Because when a manager goes out to the mound, he's going to pull his guy. Well, Ned Yost goes out to Greg Holland. I mean, he just has some short words to say to him, some short sentences, very clear and cut, right to the point. He says, son, either you can't throw strikes or you don't want to throw strikes. And unfortunately, neither work at this level. And lo and behold, Greg Holland gets a double play ball. He gets out of the inning, no damage. And we know what Greg Holland became. But those words have never been truer to me as I've watched this Royals team through a rebuild because there's been a lot of guys that can't throw strikes or they don't want to throw strikes. And right now with Brad Keller, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's scared to throw strikes. I don't know if he can't throw strikes. I can't imagine he's nervous to throw strikes because he's in Omaha. He's in AAA. It's not a big crowd. He knows he's got to get back up to Kansas City. Even in rehab starts, guys will just throw it right in there. Just find the zone. And he's nowhere near the zone right now. This is bad. This is a really bad point for him in his career because of how far he's fallen. And we could we could say, well, Brad Keller will go somewhere and catch on. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if he can if it's mental. If it's mental, it doesn't matter what pitching coach gives you, the advice he gives you, the pitches he gives you. I mean, Brad Keller was working with two guys I believe to be great pitching minds. Brian Sweeney, Zach Bove, getting some work in with Paul Hoover as well, who's the bench coach and catching coach. Those were guys you want to work with, guys from successful organizations that had seen a bunch of Brad Kellers and said, here's what you need to do, right? Here's what you need to work on. Here's the pitch you need. And it worked early on, but the command has always been an issue, and now it's completely shot. I don't know where Brad Keller goes from this point, but after Sunday's outing, I can't say he's ever going to be up in Kansas City again. I mean, he's going to be a free agent here in a couple of months. What's the holdout? Right? I think Kansas City is going to let him walk. He may sign elsewhere, but there's no need for Brad Keller to come back up to Kansas City unless there's a barrage of injuries. Right? If there's a barrage of injuries and he needs to go up there to make a couple starts, okay. But after seeing Reagans, after seeing Marsh, after seeing Austin Cox, you know, Brady Singer throwing eight innings today, Daniel Lynch has thrown six plus innings last four starts, Jordan Lyles and Zach Granker are still on the roster. Who does he take starts from? My hope is nobody. Not when he's throwing like this. I hope the best for Brad Keller. But maybe right now is just a time to, to mentally get right, then worry about the physical part of pitching. The last thing I want to go over on Locked On Royals is Drew Waters. He hit one of the furthest balls I can remember at Kauffman Stadium today at 465 feet at 112 miles an hour. About as well-tagged as you can hit a ball. And that might be the furthest, hardest ball that any Royal will hit this season. But is he primed for a breakout? I'll tell you about it next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. Drew Waters today, or excuse me, yesterday, had one of the most remarkable home runs I have seen by a Royal in uniform. 
I can go back to, to 2019 where Jorge Soler hit one you know, 465 feet. That's Jorge Soler. Jorge Soler is a mountain of a man. Or Drew Waters is a big kid, but it's more so bat speed for me. And I think when I saw that ball land in the second deck of the fountains in right center field, nobody moved in the outfield. And it's 112. I mean, that's about as well as you could possibly hit a ball. Right? Shohei Otani hits balls to those spots at Kauffman Stadium. I've seen Mike Trout hit the longest home run in Kauffman Stadium history. I remember Justin Morneau hitting the bottom of the scoreboard years ago. And Drew Waters, to me, I'm not saying he's going to be any of those guys, but it really shows the power that he possesses. Like, I think there are a few guys in the Royals lineup that can hit it to that spot at Kauffman Stadium. I'd say in left center field, it's Salvador Perez. I think Bobby Witt Jr. can hit it there. Maybe MJ Melendez. Nobody else can. And then Drew Waters did it today. And I'm thinking to myself, where could Drew Waters be right now if he didn't have the oblique strain in spring training? Where could we predict the Drew Waters story to end in 2023? Because I think if he was there in spring training and he was healthy, you'd be looking at a guy right now that you're not worried about center field in the future. I think you look at Drew Waters and think he was a number one prospect in Atlanta. Atlanta thought that he was going to be their future center fielder until Michael Harris broke into the league and he wins rookie of the year. But Drew Waters was a guy the Royals acquired, I think, for the right price. You know, for the first time in my lifetime, traded the guy for draft picks like they do in the NFL. But you get Drew Waters last year, I think there was potential. Still a lot of swing and miss. And this year, there's still some swing and miss. But I like the defense. He's been red hot since that series at the Trop against Tampa. He clearly just loves facing Tampa Bay Rays pitching, which is impressive, I will say. Like, of all the teams, Tampa's the team that he loves to crush off of. I can't ever really predict baseball. But Drew Waters is starting to show to me that being a switch hitter, having that pure raw power is a perfect guy to continue to give it bats to and play every day in center field. I think Kyle Isbell's better than him defensively, but I'm going to take the upside offensively from Drew Waters over Kyle Isbell. I mean, Kyle Isbell, his hot stretches are usually a bunch of singles. When Drew Waters is going right, he's hitting balls like he did today. Nearly 470 feet and almost 113 miles an hour. There are few guys in baseball that'll hit balls to that spot. And I can't even say either that he used all the velocity from the pitcher. I think it was Yanni Chirinos that he hit it off of. It was either Chirinos or Zach Eflin. I believe it was Chirinos. And both those guys don't throw exceptionally hard. No, he tagged that one. And Drew Waters, to me, is a guy that I think, alongside Bobby Witt Jr., I'm hoping alongside MJ Melendez, who also homered today his first home run in the month, I'm hoping these guys are starting to get the swings, even though it's only three games, but a swing where you look at it and say, yeah, that guy's going to start seeing more of the ball. He's going to start squaring it up. I mean, Bobby Witt Jr., that's an easy bet. Right? I could be basic and say, yeah, Bobby Witt Jr. is prime for a breakout. He is. He's already shown before the All-Star break, he's primed for a breakout. MJ Melendez, not going to put money on that just because he's been largely down this year. And 
even though it's been a decent stretch, a good series against Tampa. Not going to bet money on it. But Drew Waters, going back to that Tampa series, has really shown me that he can get to that league average hitter about 100 and, and runs created plus. You know, that to me is what Drew Waters can be. Right now it's at 95 of the WRC plus. Gets to 100, finishes the year at 100. I'm giving Drew Waters a center field job to begin next year. And if he can add three, four, five more homers, I know homers aren't everything, but if he can do that, I'm very impressed with a shortened season for Drew Waters. But damn, he crushed that ball the other day. I don't think we'll see another Royal hit a ball that far this season. Maybe not for the next couple of seasons. That's how impressive that shot was at 465 feet and 112 miles per hour. But the Royals at least salvaged a series finale against Tampa. They lose the first two, but had great starts from Alec Marsh, who was the first Royal this year to have double-digit strikeouts. He finished with 11, went six innings, six innings, only gave up two runs. And Cole Reagans worked five innings in game two. The doubleheader was pumping 99. We talked about him in the first segment. And, and of course, we had to go over some negative stuff with Brad Keller as he struggled yesterday in a start, or excuse me, an outing for the Omaha Storm Chasers. But Drew Waters is a guy I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see moving forward, and hopefully he'll be in the lineup tonight against the Detroit Tigers. It'll be Jordan Lyles going up against Matt Manning. I'll be out there. I'll be in the clubhouse afterwards. And with Matt Quatrero as he'll come into the uh, media room, talk on the podium. So I'll have all that audio to go over on our Tuesday episode. But that is what we're going to go over and save for Tuesday what the team looks like against the Tigers tonight. Uh, if any other guys are primed to break out. And then maybe down the road this week, might have another special guest for you lined up. But that's to worry about down the road here. If you missed any of our show today, you can always check us out on all the podcasting platforms. That is Apple Podcasts. That is Spotify. That is Amazon Music. And you can check us out on YouTube. Just be sure to hit that follow button and subscribe. You can also check me out on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. But until then, you take it easy, Kansas City.